Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm convinced within my heart that God's Word is able to strengthen you to do all that He has called you to do, and it's able to transform you to become the person that God wants you to become. Today we're going to talk about the transformation into an eagle saint. But first, let's honor the Lord by bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And I would like to share a scripture with you from John chapter 12 that gives great illumination into God's plan to bless your finances. Now, along this journey, you're going to have to work through certain things, overcome certain things. But God has planned your provision. He has made a way for you to enjoy victory in your finances. John chapter 12, verse 2, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Get ready. I'm about to introduce to you a preacher that was the first preacher to bring forth a certain type of message. Now, verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? In other words, that was a whole year of wages just poured out, just poured upon Jesus. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Old Judas, he was something else. When you read about Judas reaching into the money box, he was the treasurer. He was the one that we could say had the key to the box. You have to understand that some translations translate this as pilfering. I mean, he went in there and he plundered that treasury of the ministry of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's not like he was just trying to take a little bit out and think, now nobody's going to notice this if I take out, you know, 3% or 2%. Oh, no. He was grabbing at times in reckless ways that... The Lord the whole time knew that Judas was a thief. But, but my friends, notice the statement of Judas. He said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? My friends, today, I would like to introduce to you the world's first woke pastor, Judas Iscariot. Wow. The thief, the traitor, the scumbag, the hypocrite, virtue signaling to others in a way that would try to make him look righteous and would try to infer dishonesty and bad leadership upon even the Messiah himself. Judas, who looked at that scenario and criticized it as being a woke pastor, basically saying this money could have been used in a better way. <laughs> what an absolute 
total hypocrite. And we see so much hypocrisy even today in the earth in so many ways uh, through politics, uh, through corporations, basically through the world system and even through pastors that are duped by it and don't have enough biblical foundation to see through the lie. And surprisingly enough, sometimes there's even sinners, those that are proud to be acknowledged as sinners, that can still see through stupidity sometimes. I'm thinking for a moment about the green energy movement, how there was a, a concert a few years back that drew multitudes and multitudes of young people, and they brought in the world's most famous pop musicians. I won't mention their names, but all of the biggest names in the world were there performing. And one man stood in front of the massive audience and said, this entire event is being run on green energy. The whole thing is being run on solar. Oh, and young people wept and cried and rejoiced and pop singers jumped on it and said, yes, we have arrived. We are operating on green energy and everybody just fell in love with the whole concept. And you know, thought like they had created a new utopia. They had thought perhaps that heaven had come down to earth, but one man, one man who in his own right is a, what you would call, if we were to use a political term, a leftist liberal. <laughs> he walks behind the big platform. He walks behind the stage. And he goes back there where this massive operation is being kind of like, you know, the backstage area. And he sees all these solar panels. And he goes and talks to the technician that is responsible for the energy output to run all of these massive lights, massive speakers, and the power, all of this tremendous apparatus, which would take tremendous amounts of energy. And, and, and this investigative reporter, reporter, who's a very sinful man, he goes to the engineer and says, what are you running this with? I see the um, solar panels. What are you running this with? And the, the electrician like laughed. He said, oh, those solar panels? Oh, that's probably enough energy created by them to probably power a toaster. And he laughed mockingly. And he said, uh, he said, this whole thing is actually not being run by these little solar panels because that, that, that can't produce anything. And he pointed to two large, super powerful generators. And so the investigative reporter thought, well, it's not being powered by the solar power, uh, solar pa panels at all. It's being powered by the generator. And God basically said, well, not just the generators we're also fully hooked into the electrical grid and the electrical grid is powered by coal. So there are so many lies where people walk out and just tell flat out blatant lies while they try to virtue signal how holy and how righteous, how pure they are. But I have to tell all of the social justice warriors that another preacher beat you to it and you'll never outdo him. His name, the first one, the originator of all of this baloney was Judas Iscariot who tried to even cast a negative light, who tried to cast Jesus. See, 
He's trying to create a narrative that Jesus is evil and that Jesus is bad. That not only what this woman has done is bad, but also even Jesus, who didn't rebuke her, who didn't stop and say, oh, no, 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 no don't pour that on me. That's a waste. That even Jesus, yep, he's evil too. And his persuasion, which was, so, which was inspired by Satan, was so strong that we see in the gospel of Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, verse eight, that it swept up all of the other apostles. Wow. Look at this. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? What came over them? Judas, the spirit of a thief, the spirit of a deceiver, the spirit of a con man and a swindler. And it was so strong that it is now swept over the other 11. And they're like, yeah, that was a real waste. Yeah, Judas, you're right. Judas, I tell you what, you're, uh, you know what, Judas, maybe you should be the leader. You've got some really good ideas. Mm -mm. Says they were indignant, indignant. That word in the Greek means angry, angry at another person's blessing Angry at another person's strong position. Angry at what another person has that you don't have. Wow. This is very, very dangerous ground. When you begin to criticize God's prosperity plan. You know, it's one thing to mock the cross. It's one thing to mock healing, which is in the atonement. Uh, but look, when you start mocking prosperity... You are cutting yourself off from God's provision. You are cutting yourself off from God's supply. And anything that you don't respect, anything that you dishonor, you will repel from your life. And God the Father takes it very serious when any man or woman mocks the words of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because His words are eternal. The Son speaks on behalf of the Father and when you mock the things of God, it, it opens a wide door to the devil. And the devil can come in and begin to wreak havoc in your life. And he's a master at it. He's really, really good at it. That's why, my friends, you really want to walk in the illumination of Scripture, in the illumination of God's Word. But Jesus said, leave, leave her alone. Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. In other words, she has more spiritual discernment than the rest of you. Now the Lord, he chose those that he chose. But this woman was able to see prophetically the future. And she knew that this is the king of Israel. He's going to die very soon. I'm going to do a special anointing for him right now. Praise while I still have time. Now look at verse 8. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So woke Judas was saying, you know what? We could, we could eliminate poverty by instead not giving to God, but we could have a social program and we'll just give it all to the poor and then we'll eliminate poverty. You know what? I want to make a statement in agreement with Jesus. Please listen very carefully. You will never, ever eliminate poverty in this dispensation in which we're living. You will never, ever, ever get rid of poverty. 
Why, Pastor Stephen? Because it's a spiritual problem, and it has a spiritual root. And you can't fix it, no matter how much money you pour into it, no matter, no matter how many classes that you have on how to balance your budget, how to uh, use money properly, no matter how much of that you push and things like that, you're never going to get rid of poverty because it's a spiritual problem and has a spiritual root. What is the root? Are you ready for this? It's Satan. It's Satan. Anytime Satan is given access, he's going to come in to do what he's really good at. Three primary things. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to get into your money, get into your finances, and cause lack, insufficiency. Steal, kill, and destroy the beautiful plan that God has for your finances. So, my friends, embrace the prosperity of God. Reject the lack of Satan. Mm -mm. You know, in heaven, there's no lack. There's no, let me go further. In heaven, there's no poverty. Why? Satan's not there. Satan is not there. Woo! Not, none of the demons are there. Everything's perfect. There's no financial stress. God does not have to lay off angels. God does not have to shrink the size of mansions down to only 800 square feet because we don't have enough lumber or precious stones or diamonds to build any more mansions, but we need to get them all smaller because we're having a recession. No, none of that exists in heaven because Satan's not there. God kicked him out, kicked out one third of the angels that decided to go along with him. Mm -mm. So Satan came down here and what did he begin to do? He began to inflict trouble on the human race. And sin gave him legal access into the lives of humans. But God gave a covenant that would give a protective hedge. But my friends, you need to get illuminated into the plan of God. You know, there are ministers today. I, I, I heard some young ministers mocking the 100-fold return. One of them even said, he's real popular, but not very, he's not very solid in the word. He actually said the 100 fold return. He said, is that even real? He said, I've never even heard of that happening for anybody. And I just thought, well, you just go right ahead, dishonor God's word and don't worry about the 100 fold because you'll never ever know it in your life. I've heard people do the same thing with divine healing. Well, I don't know if that's real. I mean, I, I've never really met anybody that had a real healing miracle. And go ahead and laugh at it. Make fun of it. You'll never know it. But trust me, when you dishonor God's word like that, the Father sees it. When you dishonor the words of His Son, He sees it. And when the devil comes in, and he has legal entrance to do it, and tries to throw shortage and financial strain and pressure into your life, and then he comes in with some bad stuff like cancer or sickness and disease, but you've mocked healing. And you've mocked the 100-fold return. And you've gotten woke. Well, my friends, for those that are under that influence, I tell you what, you can have your hands full. Because the devil, um, even if you're saved and you love Jesus, but you're walking in the ignorance concerning God's Word and God's principles and God's ways, it's going to hurt you. It's going to bite you. So I would say... I would say, stay away from that Judas-type spirit. Stay away from that spirit that criticizes 
honoring Jesus Christ. That's all that woman was doing, was honoring Jesus Christ. And the devil is jealous, and he's working through Judas. He has preachers that he works through the day that a lot of these preachers, if you were to ask them, a lot of them, um, and get down to it, they do not even believe in the virgin birth. Some of them have come under such a, an influence of Hinduism, they actually believe. They wouldn't, they wouldn't say it from the pulpit, but if you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, some of them even believe in the false satanic teaching of reincarnation. I don't know what they think they're going to come back as, maybe a beetle or a bug or a horse, but some actually believe that. And there are some lunacy things that they actually hold to. But oh, in the eyes of the people, they're woke. They're woke. Actually, they're asleep and they're deceived. Woo! My friends, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. It's going to get darker out there in the world system. That it will get to a point where it actually reaches gross darkness where people don't even, I'm talking about adults, they don't even know what bathroom to go into. They don't even know what they are. They are so deceived. Now, they think they're woke, but they're so deceived and they're so confused, they don't even know what, what bathroom to use. Much less, much, le much less principles that you build your life upon. But this is what I want to say. The glory of the Lord is going to rise upon the believers. The glory of the Lord will rise upon those that refuse to compromise. There will be gross darkness in the earth. It's getting darker. But the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. Now, this is what I saw as I was preparing these notes to share with you. I saw that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I saw that there is a rising tide of financial glory coming into your life, and it will lift every boat. It will lift your checking account boat. It will lift your savings account boat. It will lift this other uh, investment portfolio boat. And every boat that you have in your financial life will be lifted. Every single bill will be paid on time or early. Storehouses will be replenished and, st and strong, and the glory of the Lord resting on your life, while others wander around in darkness and in confusion and having no moral compass and no financial compass either. Gross darkness. But for you, I see the financial glory, a tide of financial glory rising in your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I see you on solid ground and I see the Lord making financial champions of many and many being lifted into the status of millionaire, multimillionaire, and even much further than that. Yes, much further than that. There will be Christian spirit filled, sold out, uncompromising billionaires. Woo. Glory, 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 but you're not going to get there if you listen to Judas. You're not going to listen. You're not going to get there if you listen to criticism of extravagant giving to further the kingdom of God. So you can have an unsaved billionaire give a billion or two billion dollars away to charity. Now, what they won't tell you is that that charity is to either uh, fund the aborting of babies, the killing of innocent lives. Or that money is given to some type of purpose where it's um, used for, usually it's going to end up furthering some form of ungodly agenda. But when they do that, the world will clap. Yes, that's good. That's good. 
That's good. But it counts for nothing in the eyes of God. It counts for nothing in the eyes of God. You might as well flush it down the toilet. It counts for nothing of righteous credit in the eyes of God. But God is going to raise up those that are financial champions that will use their money in righteous ways and in good ways that benefit humanity and bless the church and move the kingdom forward so that the gospel is preached to all of the earth. Mm, 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 mm. Stay away from the woke Judas spirit that would try to speak out of this false virtue signaling when the whole time Judas was a thief, when the whole time they have a fake agenda, when the whole time they're lying, when the whole time they're hypocrites, they have no virtue at all. So stay in the light of God's word. Mm-mm. Walk in the prosperity of God. Be bold in your prosperity confessions and drive lack and shortage out of your life. Walk around your room. If you have shortage, walk around your room and shout and, and, and confess Psalm 35 verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of me, his servant. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's not woke to say that. I'm not woke. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm illuminated by God's word, living by his principles. I'm not playing around with any fakeness, any fake political narrative. When you look behind it, the whole thing's a lie. The whole thing's a fraud. Anyhow, Mm -mm. get delivered. Get delivered from that crazy Judas stuff. Be free from it. Be free from it. Just as it uh, swayed the other 11 apostles to also stand back and say, yeah, that, 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 you're, you're right, Judas, that, that's a real waste. And th- then look at the Lord Jesus, who's pure and holy, who is the one with real virtue, and look at him with suspicion. Yeah, Jesus just doesn't get it, doesn't he? No, no, he gets it all right. He gets it. He knows that Judas is a total fraud. And it's not going to turn out good for Judas. By the way, Judas is in hell right now. Just to let you know that, he's in hell right now. Mm -mm. What does it matter if you, quote, get woke, unquote, and you try to engage in all of these forms of activism, and then you still die in your sins and go to hell? What, What good did that do? See, if you get people saved and born again, then they stop their sin. They stop doing things that are harmful and detrimental to others or to society or to nature or to the planet or whatever it might be. We need to get people saved. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. There's many sidetracks that the enemy would like to pull you off on your Christian journey. Stay on the true path. Stay in Christ. Stay anchored in his teachings, and you'll never be deceived by Judas. I tell you, he was a smooth talker, that Judas. Mm-mm. The devil's a very smooth talker. Such a sophisticated liar. Mm-mm. He, could, he can try to justify the most evil and atrocious things. Such a smooth liar. Mm-mm. Stay with the word. Shout for joy and confess 
and say it continually that God has pleasure in your prosperity. God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. God wants you prosperous. God wants you prosperous. God wants you prosperous. And just walk around your room, walk around your house and do it for, do it for an hour nonstop. And do that until you get it in your spirit. And you'll watch. Your finances will start coming right back up. Confess what the Apostle Paul said. That God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. No lack. No lack. Father, I thank you for no lack. No lack. You shall supply my need according to my riches in glory. I'm an extravagant giver. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. See, sinners can give to all kinds of bizarre causes, and the world goes, yeah, that's wonderful. He's supporting the nightclub. That's good. He's supporting abortion. That's good. But if you give to the kingdom of God, oh, 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 now that's a waste. Why would you do that? Because we don't want people to go to hell. That's why. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, this cloud of deception, this cloud of of darkness, there's going to come a wind of the spirit and it's going to blow and there's going to be get people delivered so quick all over the nation and also over the world because there is still yet the great end time harvest. Hallelujah. And God's going to move. It's going to blow this fog off of many, many people. Now, yes, darkness will still continue in certain areas, but there will be areas of such revival and outpouring of glory. And there will be such areas of prosperity that the church will rise to tremendous financial strength. And it has a purpose, which is the preaching of the gospel. Well, pastor Steve, I, I don't know if I could handle that. What if it corrupted me? Well, then just get rid of it. Just start, give it all away. Start giving, start giving like crazy fast and pray and just give and you'll kill that greedy spirit, you'll kill that Judas spirit, and you'll walk in purity. You'll walk in true virtue. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your precious people today as they are working your word, that this is their time to shine. While there will be continued darkness in the earth and much confusion, it is time for your people to shine. It is time for the financial glory to come. And Father, I pray that you lift all of their boats, all of their forms of financial strength lift it with a great tide of financial glory that comes in and lifts everything to the highest levels they've ever had before thank you and going beyond that setting new watermarks thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you father bless your people today as they honor you with the tithe and with offerings thank you thank you O oh god Thank you that your people will not be tricked or discouraged to obey because of a Judas spirit that would criticize. I give you praise that your people are giving people and that your people walk in covenant principles in Jesus name. Woo. Amen. 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 Somebody got free. Somebody got delivered. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your holy tithes and your offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you could do so from anywhere in the world. And God commands us 
to honor him with the tithe, which is 10% of all of our increase, 10% of the income that we earn. And you can go online at any time, day or night, from anywhere in the world. Please visit stephenbrooks.org on the internet, and there you'll see on the homepage a link that says give. It has a red heart on it. You can click on that and bring the tithe and bring the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And as you do, watch and expect the financial glory of God to come sweeping into your life, lifting all of your boats. Woo! Woo! Glory, glory. That's why you need more than one, one storehouse. That's why you need more than one savings account. You need multiple ones. Hallelujah. I see everything being lifted to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You are blessed. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles today. And we're going to go to a very familiar portion of Scripture, which is found in Isaiah chapter 40. I want to talk about the eagle saint. Please say that. Say the eagle saint. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. I see you ascending into new dimensions in your walk with the Lord. Whew, praise God. I see your own personal revival breaking out in your life with God. Pastor Stephen, I'm waiting for the church to catch on fire. You don't need to wait for anything. You can go right now to the Lord and seek the Lord and have your own encounter and have your own continuing experience of drinking and feasting and dining with the Lord. Praise God. We're in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start in verse 28. Let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have nothing on your mind for us but victory. Victory over temptation, victory over sin, victory in our health, in our body, victory in our finances, victory in every single facet of our life. And so, Father, we thank you that you have symbolized this life of victory through the eagle. And as we study your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the path into the flight, the flight path of the eagle saint. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And perhaps today you're watching and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I am feeling a little bit weak. I'm feeling a little bit spiritual sluggish. But then again, there's probably others, and you're thinking, sluggish? Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not just sluggish. I'm, I'm just like, I'm not even in the game anymore. My friends, the Lord has a word for you today. He gives power to the weak. Maybe you have a faith project and you have been believing God to do something very, very special. Maybe to heal your child. Maybe to bless you in this one area. Maybe you have something very special you're believing God for, but you feel like your faith has gotten weak 
and you just can't carry that promise anymore. You've run out of fuel. Well, God specializes in giving power to the weak. We're going to talk about how to receive that power. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Mm -mm. There are certain limitations with your body. If you were to train your body and train and train and train, and let's say you were in the prime of your life, you would eventually reach a plateau where you can't run any faster than that, or you cannot lift any more than that. That's your max lift. There is a limit. And now, now you can keep training and you can get good nutrition and you can do all this and all of that, but eventually you will max out. There is a certain point that is the ultimate limit of where your body can go. But it's not like that with your spirit. Woo. Praise God. I mean, if think about it with your body, if that's the fastest you can run, but you want to go faster, well, just get in the car and drive. Well, I'd like to be able to lift more. Well, get a forklift. You don't have to keep getting stronger and stronger. Wisdom is better than strength. Anyhow, praise the Lord. But my friends, God increases strength and with spiritual strength, you can go from glory to glory. And it's not like you get to a new glory and you're, there's a ceiling that you're not allowed to pass. No, you can keep on going. You can go from faith to faith, strength to strength in the spirit. Praise God. There's no limits in these areas. And I really like that area of faith to faith. Woo. Praise God. You can pull in what it is that you're believing for. All things are possible to him who believes. Praise the Lord. So your faith must be kept up there. It must be strong. It must be in continually increased. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Now, we are told in the book of Proverbs that the glory of young men is their strength. And it is a pretty cool thing. I mean, if you, I mean, you see a guy in his twenties, let's say he's like on the gymnastic team, he works out, his arms have gotten strong and you know, there's an element where, yeah, there's a glory to that there. You're created in the image of God with your spirit, your soul, and also with your body. I mean, it's not like God doesn't have a form. I was told growing up that, Oh, we, we really, uh, we really don't know what God looks like. This is what I was told in church. You know, as far as we know, when we get to heaven and we meet God, maybe he's just like a vapor or a fog. Oh Lord have mercy. No, God has a form. God has hands. God has eyes. God has feet. He, he, he has a body. Now God is a spirit, but my friends, God has a form, but there is a glory to the human body. Now that doesn't mean that we need to go beyond that and say, well, if there's a glory to it, well, let's just unveil all of it and take all the clothes off that, that way we can really get some glory. Well, no, there is a place where you can very quickly cross into what is actually dishonorable and God, God wants you to be properly clothed. Now it's summertime, but just because it's summer, please don't lose your mind and go to the beach and take all your clothes off. Well, that's what everybody does. That's what everybody does. Who's under the influence and spirit of the world. But when you're not under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, you realize that there's something wrong about going around naked. 
<laughs> now, now, look, I know people in Europe, you can go to certain beaches. They are, uh, these beaches are nude beaches. And it's just considered normal for men and women and families with their little children to go to the beach and everybody walks around naked, uh, including all the kids, all the adults, grandpa and grandma, everybody just walking around naked. Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's not, nice to see you today. And everybody on the whole beach is nude. But you know what? When you walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, he says to you, there's something about this that's not right. Mm -mm. I don't need to be a policeman within the church. The Holy Spirit is with you all the time. And the Holy Spirit will help you govern your life. Mm -mm. He will help you to live your life in a way that brings glory to God. And also keeps you from degrading yourself and humiliating yourself. Mm-mm. There was a pastor recently that put his picture on Instagram and this was a well-known pastor and he was at the beach with nothing on but a little, nothing, nothing on but a little speedo swimsuit, uh, just look like a loincloth. And you know what? For all of his church members that saw that, and I guess he's trying to show off his abs or trying to show off his body. For all of his church members that saw that, every time he stands in the pulpit and preaches, no matter if then on, if he wears a three-piece suit, it doesn't matter what he wears, from then on, every time he stands in that pulpit and preaches, all of those church members, all they're going to be thinking about is the time they saw him standing on the beach with nothing on but a little bitty old Speedo. He might as well have stood there in his underwear. He actually would have had more clothes on if he stood there in his underwear. But you know what, people, they get those images in their mind, and uh, you do things like that, you dishonor yourself. By the way, is it just me, or have you also noticed that in churches like that, there's no miracles? There's no mighty signs and wonders. I wonder why. I wonder why. Maybe there's something about that culture that the Holy Spirit's just not too happy or pleased about all of that. And he's just not going to manifest in that type of environment, no matter how bad you want him to. Mm -mm. You better believe you can offend the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. There is a strength that goes beyond the strength of the, of the young men when they're in the prime of life. There's a different kind of strength. Praise God. Some of these young guys, you'll get them to pray with me. You know, they're strong. They're healthy. They're strong. Pastor Steve and I can bench press 225 pounds 32 times. I just want you to know I'm NFL caliber. That's nice. Let's go pray for a while. And after 20 minutes, they're, they're done. They're done. Hey, brother, what happened to all that strength? Well, you know, I, I got to go eat, Pastor Stephen. Okay. Goodbye. Have a nice meal. Have a nice meal. And that's why you don't have supernatural power encounters. Hallelujah. That's why the devil can boss you around, slap you around. Harass you. I'm not saying you're not saved, but that's why your life can be a mess. Why? Just not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Goofing around. Goofing around. And when you goof around, the devil will come in and he'll just, 
He'll just come in through open doors. And remember, he can only come in. He can only come in through an open door. He is a legalist. What I mean by that is that he knows that if you give him no access, he can't come in. He's not allowed to. I mean, even back in the Old Covenant, even in the Old Covenant, there was a shield that was up that when you walked in the commandments of God, he couldn't get to you. And even told God, Satan told God, I can't touch Job. I can't touch Job. In other words, I have no legal permission to put my junk on Job because Lord, you've got this, you've got this protection, this hedge around him. How much stronger is the blood of Jesus when you are walking in the commandments and you are walking right with God that the devil's just like, well, I'd like to put my junk on him or her, but you know what? I, I can't get in and I can't just force my way in because I have no right to get, in. I have no legal right to get in. The only way he can get into your life is if you allow him. Mm-hmm. But if you let him in, if you let him in, lack of prayer, lack of walking with God, just being lethargic instead of aiming to be the eagle saint, you're just the eagle, you're, you're just like the, 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 the chicken saint. He'll come in, he'll run you, he'll chase you all around just like a chicken. He'll make your life like a chicken. You'll be running and flapping and making all kinds of, uh, oh, God help, God help. Mm-mm. The first thing you have to do is you have to submit yourself to the Lord, to his commandments, to his instructions, and close every single door of access that was previously allowing the enemy to come in. And if you're watching programs or material uh, that would be downloaded on cable or internet or satellite or whatever, that's, that's legal access for the enemy to come in. Close it. Shut it off. Shut it off. Shut it off. Shut it off. I have been, I have been in the library room of people that are saints that have their walls lined with rated R movies, even with some X movies, which is pornographic material mixed in there. Now, most of the R stuff and a lot of the PG stuff is too, but the other stuff that you know, it's, you know, it's bad. Mm-mm. I have even been in the library of, of a minister that the video library contained absolute pure filth. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess they were real people of God. Well, they could say all the right words. They could, uh, they could preach good messages, but a tremendous void of power in their ministry. And see, the Apostle Paul said, hey, the, you know, the kingdom of God is not about preaching and just talking and stuff like that. It's about power. 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 Well, Pastor Steve, why is there no power? There's a disconnect somewhere. Close every single door to the devil. Take the library of filth and take it. Don't sell it. Don't sell it on eBay. Don't give it away at a garage sale or sell it at a garage sale. No, no. Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. Or take it to the landfill. So it gets driven over and smashed by the, by the uh, bulldozer. Praise God. Close any door, any occultic material, um, Ouija boards, um, get all of that garbage out of your house. Get it out of your house. Actions, shut it down. Mm, 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 mm. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail or fall. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is the walk of the mature believer. You're walking. You're moving forward on the plan that God has for your life on the Christian journey. You're ascending up Mount Zion. You're making good progress and you are enjoying it every single day. Mm, praise God. By the way, that is normal Christianity. If something in your life is not lining up with that, you need to make those adjustments and come into the Eagle Saint walk. Praise God. It is a walk of victory. And if there is something in your life where there's not the victory, it's because somebody is doing something. Who is that? It's Satan. It's the devil. He is always trying to do something to mess your life up. He is always trying to look for a way to get into your life and goof up your life. Close the doors, resist him and move forward with the Lord and begin to wait on the Lord. And my friends, you'll be a high flyer. Woo! A high flyer with the Lord. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Now, let's talk about running and walking with the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Mm -mm. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's many, many different ways you can wait. I want to cover a few just real quickly. And then I want to get into a way of waiting that is very exploratory. That can be very, very fascinating. But before we get into that, I think we need to cover some of the basics first. We're going to move quickly on this. One of the key ways of waiting on the Lord is very simply found in excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, when you spend time with the Lord in prayer, which is a form of waiting on the Lord, when you spend time on your knees or in your private place with the Lord, and you are praying, which is a form, again, of waiting on the Lord, what begins to take place is that as you stay there and wait there and cast all of your cares over on the Lord, you will then move into that supernatural peace. But you can't have verse 7 until you have obeyed and put the practice verse 6. And that is the place of prayer. I used to live in a house with some other Christian roommates. And uh, I remember that one guy that he started coming to the church and then he moved in with us and he was always like, you know, kind of, kind of like a very positive type person, but he had some major issues in his life, but his devotional time consisted of waking up in the morning, grabbing his guitar, playing about two songs, usually off key. And then say, Lord, I praise you. And that was it. He said, there, I've had my devotional time. It was usually right around eight or 10 minutes. And he could never overcome certain things. And I never, ever saw him once ever have one time alone in prayer. Not that I'm looking or really concerned about it, because I'm trying to do my own thing to get victory in my life and to walk with the Lord. But my friends, you have to wait on the Lord in prayer and cast 
every care over on the Lord and take the time to pray all of that out. Those things that would trouble you or try to uh, get you to yield to worry. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a family problem. You have got to stay on your needs until you pray through. And that's going to take more than eight or ten minutes. Praise God. We're not trying to set time frames. But Jesus himself said, could you not, could you not tarry? Could you not wait and pray an hour? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Funny story, back in the 19, early 1990s, when Pastor Larry Lee was pastoring a church at that time in Texas, he had heard about the revival in Seoul, Korea, and he began to study the teachings of Dr. Cho on prayer. And he found out, wow, if you, know, you really pray like this, it starts working in your life. I mean, God starts moving in your life. And so he began to implement those principles and his church just exploded in growth, which is what happened in Seoul, Korea, how that church grew. And so, you know, he, he's all excited about it. So he contacted some of the pastors there in Seoul, Korea and asked if some of them could come over. And so they flew from Seoul, Korea to uh, Texas to visit his church. And he said, I'm so, uh, I'm so happy that you're here. When they showed up that morning, he said, I'm so happy that you're here. And uh, we're so honored to have you here. He said, why don't you come to my prayer room so that uh, you can join with my other intercessors so that we can pray for the service. And they just looked at him and kind of smiled and said, well, we've already prayed for three hours this morning. What you, we don't really need to do any more praying. <laughs> we're, we're all prayed up. We're ready to go. <laughs> we hope you guys are ready to go because we're ready to go. And, you know, that was just like, you know, like, oh, well, how did they do that? Well, it can become normal. It can be something that you can become established in, and you just work your way into it. Maybe you, you, you reach a level of praying 20 minutes or 40 minutes or then an hour, which is basic, okay? And then you can be, go beyond that an hour, two hours. Maybe you want to tithe a day, your time to the Lord, which is two hours, 24 minutes, and you tithe. Maybe you want to go beyond that. Not as a form of legalistic, like you have to do it, but just out of love and hunger and just out of also like, man, God's moving. Let's, let's have fun with this. Praise God. Well, my friends, if you do that with prayer and supplication coming before the Lord, then you will arrive in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So many things, if you'll just pray it out, you can get, real, get rid of all of those depression pills, all of those anxiety pills, all of those things that are causing heart trouble and irregular heartbeats. If you would just become an Eagle saint and wait on the Lord and pray and pray all that worry away. I mean, stay in prayer till it's gone until it's gone. And if you get up off your knees and you leave, you start to leave and that stuff is still there. Get back in the prayer and wait on the Lord in prayer and keep bringing it before the Lord and casting it over on the Lord until it's completely gone and, and you are flushed with the peace of God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, that kind of sounds like spiritual effort. Yes, it is. But it sure, it sure beats living in the torment of fear and worry. It, sure, uh, it sure, surely beats getting eaten up with ulcers because you're so troubled about something. Mm -mm. Getting sick over something. Praise God. Pray it through. 
Hallelujah. Not only do you have peace, you're going to get the answers to prayer in those areas. And then you're flying high. So my friends, that is one clear way of waiting on the Lord. Now let's go to the book of Nehemiah chapter eight. And let's look at something very interesting in verse one, Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. And this is another way of waiting upon the Lord. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. So they're technically celebrating the feast of trumpets here. Praise God. Now, then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from get ready. He read now he's reading the book of the law. Okay. The law, the law of God, the law of Moses. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning. Now in the Hebrew, the word morning there means the breaking forth of the light. So just as soon as there was enough light for the the priest and for Ezra to look and to clearly be able to see the scriptures and to read it. That's where they started. I want you to understand that he read from morning until midday. And all of the theologians agree that this reading went on. Now there, it's not just going to be one person. One person is going to start reading. Then he'll take a little break. The next person will come up, maybe read for 20 or 30 minutes. The next person will come up and read for perhaps 20 or 30 minutes. So there are some different readers, but the reading went nonstop. The reading, the dispensing of God's word, God's instructions went nonstop for six hours, six hours waiting on the Lord, hearing the holy word of God. Mm-mm. Wow. Think about that just for a moment from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law, undivided attention for six hours. Pastor Stephen, your sermons are too long. Oh no, I'm just getting warmed up. I might do what Ezra and Nehemiah do. I might, I might sometime just preach for six hours. Mm, mm, mm. He did. That's what they did. Six hours, nonstop, nonstop. And watch this. Nobody went to the bathroom. Nobody got fidgety. Nobody said, well, you know, it's just too hot. You know, we, we, we can't do this. You know, look, Ezra, get some air conditioning and then we'll show up. No, none of that. None of that at all. And it's, it's even wilder than what you think. Listen to what it continues to share. Verse four. So Ezra, the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand. So he has men at his right and he's got men at his left. Those are the ones that are going to assist him with the reading of the law. Verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it all, Oh, I, I, I don't know if I should read it. I don't know if I should read verse five. Mm -mm. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe there are some watching me that you're very happy in your seeker sensitive church. And if the message is not 20 minutes, you're out of there. 
and you're very upset at the pastor for invading your time. He went too long. He preached for 22 minutes. And it was too much for your flesh to take. Sitting there in that theater style chair, drinking your hot latte, 20 minutes just pushed you, 22 minutes took you to a limit that's just intolerable. We can't stand this. We are going to go look for a new church. We want the whole thing done. The praise and worship, the preaching. We want out in 40 minutes. Mm -mm. All right, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to read verse 5 all the way through. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Are you ready? For six hours. They stood up for six hours. Well, we, we need to order some Bojangles. Who's going to order the chicken dinner after two hours? Well, after three hours, we need to schedule. Who's going to structure the nap time? After four hours, I mean, we're going to need a massage. Who's going to bring in the masseuses? We're going to need about, about a thousand of them. Who's going to massage our feet? Standing up for six hours, waiting on the Lord in the presence of God, receiving the word. Now, I will suggest that there was a release of the grace of God. Because I know what it's like when the word is coming forth with understanding. There is a sense, there is an anointing when you're catching everything that that priest is reading. And you, you're, you're like, you're like, don't stop. This is so good. Don't just keep it going. Keep it, keep it going. And there is a realm where time in a sense can become suspended. Now, the worst thing is to be in one of those realms when there's no anointing and the message is dead, the message is dry, the message has no life in it. And one hour, one hour as one preacher friend of mine called it. He called it the eternal hour because he, he said that's what it was like growing up in church for him when it was just so dead, so dry, no joy, no presence of God. And the preaching was just heavy and it was boring. And he said it was just like the eternal hour. And he's just waiting to get out of there. But my friends, when it's presented with an anointing and it's alive and it's living and you're understanding, and this is something very sacred, something spe special. I mean, it was so living that when the reading was done, the people were weeping that they, they were just like, Oh my goodness. Why? First of all, they were blown away by it because they, they were realizing, uh Oh, all of these instructions. Well, now pastor Stephen, God's word is a love letter. It's not about do's and don'ts. Oh, it's a love letter. All right. And it is loaded with do's and don'ts. If you do this, it will go well with you. If you don't do it and you disobey God's instructions, uh, get ready to meet the devil because he's, he's going to start coming in and it's going to be a mess. And they heard it read and they heard the blessings that are associated with the obedience and they heard the awful consequences of disobedience and they were weeping. They were weeping because why they have not been living right. Oh, that's why their lives are in a mess. That's why things aren't working well. 
You're not following the instructions of this book. And they were weeping. And the, and the Lord told Ezra to instruct the priest, tell, tell the people, don't be sad. Look, this is a feast day. This is a time of celebration. And then we go into that beautiful classic statement of verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And then it leads us to verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that word brought to you when it's living, it's alive. Hallelujah. God will turn it into strength for you. Praise God. You may say, God, I see it. I haven't been living right in that area. Matter of fact, Lord, I've been in direct disobedience to that area. Lord, I repent of that. I shut that down. I close that door to the devil. From now on, you and me, we, we got this thing going on where I'm living right with you. Praise God. So, Lord, let the blessing start working. Mm-hmm. And then the joy. The joy will start to come. But my friends, there are some times where there is an element of waiting on the Lord, where maybe you just start reading one day, and it is so living, so alive, that before you know it, you've been reading, and you've been enjoying maybe a two-hour T-bone steak meal, and you just loved every bit of it. Praise God. Well, that's what happened to them. Six hours. Six hours, and they're just like, don't stop. This is so good. Don't stop. Mm-mm. And it brought them the instruction that they needed. And all the priests and all the Levites are helping the people to understand the instructions and also to be able to, you know, understand what the law meant and so forth. They would explain it. Hallelujah. It was a beautiful feast. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So one of the ways of waiting on the Lord can just be, you're just feasting on that word. And when you do, whoo, it'll turn you into a high flyer. Mm-mm. When you know what God instructs and what he expects of you and you step into that, I tell you what, it'll lift you up. It'll make you, it'll make you fly high in the spirit. It will affect your natural life. And the reality of Ephesians chapter two, verse eight will be real in your life, real in your life. I have had times where I know exactly what it's like to stand and hear the word nonstop. And you're just like, I could stand here as long as this atmosphere is like this. I could stand here. I, I could just, I could stand here forever. 10 hours, 12 hours. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. And there have been preachers under the anointing throughout church history. When that atmosphere was like that, that preached nonstop for Sometimes a day, sometimes two days, no sleep, no stop, no water breaks, no going to the bathroom, just under that flow. Mm-mm. And we're going to see it again. Can you say yes, Lord? And as long as that preaching and exhortation and teaching is revelatory and is flooded with life, hallelujah, just stand there and get washed. It's why it's a bath. It is a bath. When you get saved, your spirit gets born again, but your soul did not get saved. Your soul has to be renewed. How? Through the washing of the water of the word. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Let it wash, 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 
wash, wash, woo, waiting on the Lord. Woo, the, war, the word is just cleansing, 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 cleansing. It's good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I've had times before when the Lord would speak to me. I'd have had devotional times where the Lord would come and visit me. And it, when, when he spoke, it was literally the only way I can describe it in the natural is it felt like I was standing underneath the waterfall and the water is coming down over me. And his words are just they're They're washing me and they are it's sharing things with me. I didn't know before uh, it's bringing illumination on scriptures. I didn't understand before. And it's just glorious. It's glorious. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. All right. May you encounter the renewal of your strength through these times of waiting with the word washing your mind and bringing a renewal of the strength and of the promises of God that you so desperately need to be reminded of. Praise God. Jesus, we praise you. Now again, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is very, very interesting. What can take place when you have good prayer time? Philippians chapter 4. When you have good time in the Word, as we see, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, I would say six hours is a really good time in the Word. But what happens when you are full? Well, you've had a lot of good, solid Word. You're filled up with the meat of God's Word. And you're also prayed of. You've had good devotional time. What happens when maybe you want to adventure into some new territory. Well, let's talk about that. Um, we have the book of Judges. Judges chapter 16. Look at a night and a life. A night and the life of Samson. Judges chapter 16 verse 2. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning... When it is daylight, we will kill him. The enemy is terrified, terrified, threatened by any anointed man or woman. We see the same thing with David. The moment David was anointed king, what did the Philistines do? Did they send him a cake and say, David, we're so happy for you. Hope you do a good job over there and govern the people well and be a good king. We're pulling for you over here. No, they immediately put their army together and they went to go and try to take David out. Why? He is the newly anointed king of Israel. And the enemy is just like, we, we better shut this down. We better, we, we've got to stop the, uh, the one with the anointing. Praise God. My friends, guard the anointing. Guard the grace that God places upon your life, the function in the area that he has called you to stand in. Mm -mm. And be aware that that anointing, which is strength, the strength and power of God, it must be stewarded properly and it must be sustained. And be aware that there are Philistines out there, 
that would like to see you lose that anointing. So protect it and guard it. Hallelujah. When the Gazites were told, uh, he's here, they had a plan to kill him. Verse 3. Get ready. Get ready. Verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. In a nutshell, basically what he did is he went there, grabbed the bars, grabbed the gates, the, you know, the supporting uh, bars and everything, just ripped them all off. And they say, archaeologists say that those gates and the pillars and so forth weighed 38,000 pounds. And he carried them quite a distance, over 20 miles away, uphill, walking uphill the entire time, threw them down on top of a large hill. Praise the Lord. I would like to encourage you to maybe do a little Samson exploration at night. Understand, back in that day and age, of course, they're, they're hundreds of years away from the understanding of electricity. So, when the sun went down and it got dark, what did people do? They went to sleep. Now, you would have people that were guards. They're going to stay up. They're going to light oil lamps. You would have scribes that would stay up and write at night, study the Torah. They're going to have oil lamps. But most people that didn't have a night occupation, when it was dark, they simply went to bed. So if the sun went down at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, they all just went to bed at 6 or 7 o'clock. And scientists have proven that when you place yourself into an area where you are removed from all of the influences of, of light, whether it's television screens or whether it's street lights or whatever these devices might be, you know, iPhones or your tablets and all these things that keep emitting light, which keep your system awake. When you remove yourself from that, it takes a few months, but you will go back to a normal cycle of sleep that unfolds with two sleep patterns. You would go to bed at six or seven o'clock in the evening. You would wake up usually right around midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning. You would stay awake naturally for about two hours. And then after that, you would fall back to sleep again. And you would wake up naturally when the sun came up in the morning at six or six o'clock or seven o'clock, whenever it came up. So you would still get a full eight hours of sleep, but you got it in two sleep cycles and you would have a break in the middle. And it was in that middle part. It's in that middle part that even today, sleep scientists who have studied cultures and people that still sleep that way, usually in rural areas away from cities and often away from uh, a lot of electrical usage. They have found that that interim segment between the two uh, sleep cycles, which is an awake state of about two hours, is a state where your body is flushed with prolactin and your brain releases these hormones and these healthy chemicals into your body and it helps you to sit there or to do things in a very super calm, relaxed state of mind. And they actually say it's the highest level of mental acuity that you could walk in, where you can have your most brilliant, creative thoughts. By the way, this is also the time 
that the rabbi sages of old, when they would do their prayer times, sometimes starting at midnight, going from 12 to 1 or 12 to 3, Mm-mm. 12 midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning, and they would write, they would pray. What is all of this? This is waiting on the Lord. Now, if you can get into that during the daytime, and you, you, uh, maybe you work at night, and you think, well, how can I do this? Well, you can do it during the day, but you just structure it different. So uh, maybe you have a day off, and you want to work yourself into that from maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon to 4 o'clock. You can do that too, but you'll notice when phones are ringing, when emails are coming in, or there's all kinds of the noises of the day, it can be hard to get quiet internally. That's why at nighttime, you have a very unusual opportunity to do what? To wait on the Lord and renew your strength. Because what happens in the middle of the night, you're not thinking about all of the activities that are normally on the list of the things to get done that take place during the day. And at night, you're calm. You're, you're relaxed. By the way, that prolactin that's released, that's, what I, that's the same thing that a hen, a mother hen chicken experiences while she sits on those eggs. And a hen could just sit on the eggs. I grew up on a farm. They could just sit on the eggs for hours and hours and hours. And you know what? They're totally happy. They don't want to move. They're just so happy sitting on the eggs. Well, your body also can be in that super relaxed state. Your mind can be in that super relaxed state where you are fully awake, but you're super calm and you can sit there and do what? Well, you're already prayed up. You've already spent some time in the word the previous day. You're, you're strong in those areas and you just begin to wait on the Lord. Maybe just worship the Lord. Just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, Hey, Lord, it's 1230 in the morning. I got up out of the bed just to come over here to talk to you. I've already had a few hours of sleep. Lord, I want to hang out with you for an hour. Or maybe you want to say for 30 minutes or whatever it might be. But just hang out with the Lord. Lord, I want to spend time with you. And you can wait on the Lord. Maybe just pray in tongues. Maybe that special thing that you really, really want God to do in your life. Just say, Lord, I want to spend time waiting on you. And I'm just going to pray in the Spirit. Because I'm going I'm to just focus. And I'm going to... I'm going to lock onto your promises and I'm going to really believe that you're going to bring this to pass. And I'm just here to pray into that right now. And so that is a form of waiting on the Lord. Woo. Glory to God. But my friends, that is a time where like Samson, you can get into some very unusual encounters with the Lord, not only in the spirit realm, but he's doing these things in the natural realm. But we see a lot of prophetic symbolism here of what can take place at night. And even David said at midnight, I will rise. I will arise at midnight. And so David was no stranger to getting up in the middle of the night and going over to the tabernacle, going over to where the Ark of the Covenant was at and just worshiping the Lord. Not necessarily asking God for anything, but just hanging out with the Lord. And, and just let the Holy Spirit lead the whole thing. You don't have to have an agenda. Well, Pastor Stephen, what will I pray about, talk about? What will I uh, discourse with the Lord about? You don't need to have any agenda. You don't need any notes. Just sit down and with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, just go. Just talk with the Lord about whatever you want. Pray in the Spirit. You know, whatever comes up. Just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. And you'll have the time of your life. And maybe after an hour, an hour and a half of waiting on the Lord, go back to sleep, wake up in the morning, afresh, ready to go, 
and off to work, off into the day you go. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. Praise God. This is something that's open right now for you to enter into. If you would like to enter into the walk of the Eagle Saint by waiting on the Lord and renewing your strength, lift your hands right now because grace from heaven is going to be released. Father, I pray for those with their hands up, those that want to come in into this walk of the Eagle Saint, which is accessed through waiting on you. I pray, Father, right now that you would release grace from heaven, that you would release grace, let it come down upon them, that they would endeavor to press in, press in, sometimes waiting on you with the word, sometimes waiting on you with prayer, Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 6 and 7. Father, other times waiting, maybe even in the midnight hour, maybe sometime waiting on the day when they have free time, and instead of perhaps uh, doing something that wouldn't have much value, they could instead just kneel down and go wait on you somewhere and spend time with you in prayer or spend time in a chair, sitting down, fellowshipping with you. I thank you, Father God, that I see that you have mountaintop experiences waiting for them. I thank you, Father God. I thank you that as they seek you, that you will reward those who diligently seek you. Thank you, Father God. And as they wait on you, they will see their strength renewed. I thank you, Father, they will know supernatural energy. I thank you that they will walk in your wisdom and that they will accomplish exploits because they are high flyers in you. Father, we give you praise. I thank you. I thank you for that anointing falling like, like, like Arctic snow coming down on them, a fresh, cool blast of Arctic snow. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Refreshing, causing them to spread their wings and go up and to wait on you. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Identify your eagle's nest. Where do you go? to get into the nest and wait on the Lord. Identify your place. Maybe it's a prayer closet. Maybe it's a chair that you can sit in. Something like that. Hallelujah. But the main thing is that you go and wait. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He has made a way for you to have your life made right for all of your sins to be forgiven. Praise the Lord. If you would like to receive his new life, pray this prayer after me and he will answer it and he'll save you right now. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, you died on the cross and on the third day you rose from the dead and now you're seated at God's right hand. Jesus, come into my heart, wash all of my sins away, and save me now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I fully give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Seek the Lord. The Lord has many wonderful things to reveal to you. Praise the Lord. You know, there is a thing 
that can happen to Christians where they feel burned out, burned out. The reason because of that is that they have not waited upon the Lord. Because when you wait on the Lord, you get your strength back. You get joy. Mm-mm. Always know the location of your eagle's nest where you can go to wait on the Lord. Praise God. Mm. I see many of you building an eagle's nest, building a, re- a walk and a relationship with God. Mm-mm. And you're being transformed into the eagle saint. Let's take Holy Communion. Let's grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that when many of your eagle saints come to draw near to you, that so many of them, you're just going to love on them. And you're going to let them know in very tangible ways how much you love them. Father, we give you praise that your love was expressed through Christ. And we receive his body. We receive his body right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. I see many of you just waking up around midnight. Maybe around 1 or 2.30. And you think, I wonder why I'm so awake. You're awake because there's a grace to wait, go wait on the Lord. So get up, go wait on the Lord. Don't sit in the bed. If you sit in the bed, you'll fall back to sleep. Get up quietly. Go to your, your eagle's nest and wait on the Lord. And fellowship with God. And then when you're done, that anointing lifts. Go back to sleep. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for its mighty cleansing power. We ask that if we have committed any sins, that through the blood of Christ, that our sins would now be forgiven, washed away, and remembered no more. We thank you, Father, for the beautiful holy blood of Jesus. We thank you for its mighty cleansing power. Thank you, Father God, for raising up high flyers. Eagle saints, we give you praise, Father God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Woo, I just released that fresh new anointing. That refreshing. That renewing. Mm -mm. Father, we give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. I see you having the alpine high. That's what it is. That cold air. That arctic chill. It's the alpine high. You're going up to the high places. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lift you up. Glory to God. Spread your wings and fly. Hallelujah. You could just walk around like this. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. I wait on you. I thank you that you're renewing me. I thank you for this great thing that you're doing in my life. God, I praise you and thank you. And as again, as it says in Philippians chapter four, verse six, always think, have a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you for my life. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my salvation. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And just, just fly, just soar. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll see you in the heavenly places as together we soar in the glory realm. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.